When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Cheese Room Podcast. This is Brendan, your host for the show. It's the international break, so no games to review, but we do have a big game coming up. Uh, joining me to look ahead to the North London Derby, we have two guests, so, uh, two Anglo-Australian uh, guests. First up is Davo. How you doing, mate? Yeah, no, very good, thank you. Great to be here, although I am in bushy Hertfordshire at the moment. Yeah, Happy New Year, by the way. Sanatova? Uh, yeah, well done. You remembered it from two minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> also joined, delighted to be joined once again by a friend of the show, Max Rushton of uh, Talk Sport fame and also the Guardian Football Weekly. Welcome, Max. How are you doing? Hi. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on. I'm all right. Thank you very much. You're joining us very early there in Sydney. So thank you there. You've got a coffee well, or two I mean, you say, you, you say early, like it's 10 past seven in the morning, but I have a six month old child. So, you know, I've been up for a while. <laughs> Congratulations again on on the birth of, of Ian Rushton. Can I can I Thank ask? You. Well, the, the key key question: Did you name him Ian Rushton just to get a football pun in there, or because that's some dedication to your craft, really? Well, his stage name is Ian. I don't think anybody calls their child Ian in real life anymore. But <laughs> we just made a real conscious decision that he's like he's. We don't put anything of him on social media, and I don't know what. I mean, I, I have no issue with telling everybody what his name is. But we just haven't done it because. Okay. You know, it's just, um, in many ways, I think, probably just, I reckon if you post one picture, then you'll just spend your life just constantly posting pictures. We thought we just don't really want to be doing that. I spend enough time, waste enough time on social media anyway. So that is something that we just left out. So I, it's worth clarifying, I have not called my child Ian. But you're not the first person to actually think <laughs> I called my child Ian, so it sounded like Ian Rushton. Uh, but that is, <laughs> that is very much a stage name. <laughs> okay okay because i because you've referred to him a lot on on talks but as ian rushton i just assumed mm. so um that's that's kind of a bit disappointed now he's ian rushton he is ian rushton. <laughs> he is ian rushton to everybody yeah uh well um we've got lots to get through max i know you, you've just woken up there so we'll, we'll ease you in uh but, okay. but I'll, i will forewarn you there will be quite a few anecdotes about my friendship with sandro oh, that's God, totally fine. really no it's no max it isn't fine believe you me Look, Dave, I have one anecdote about Sandro that I can't tell, uh, but it's quite funny. Oh, really? But yeah, it's not a. I would say it's not a. It's not terrible. It doesn't reflect badly on Sandro, but uh, it's not my story, and it is a story that I wouldn't tell in a broadcast environment. Okay, fair. okay. I'm a bit worried about one of my anecdotes now, uh, but I'm going to tell it. <laughs> Sure. So yes, you, you're now, as we just discussed, you're living in Australia. The last time you were on the pod, you did mention. In your words, that um, were you to have a child, it would have to be in Australia. Um, so how, how has the move been? And, and you've managed to maintain work as well. Has it been a challenge? What's what's life been like for Max Rushton in Australia? Yeah, um, and it's been great. I mean, everybody's... It's funny. We um, 
like everybody's incredibly nice. I mean, it's such a cliche, isn't it? That you know, you sort of you walk around with a pram in Australia, and everyone's like stops, and you know, people stop you, and they're not just completely insane, and just have a nice chat, and then get on with their day. And then we went back to London on in June, and literally little pram, and we sort of turned a corner and bumped into someone. They just went, "Oh fuck off!" And we're like, "Ah, oh, that's London." And I, and I sort of miss that. You sort of miss that grit a bit. Do you know what it's been? It's been as seamless as I, as I could imagine it could have been. And it's been incredibly lucky. And I always said to my wife, she's from Melbourne. And I said, look, if I ever get a job, she was, you know, she lived in London for 10 years. And I was like, look, if you ever, if we ever, if I ever get offered a job in Australia, we'll move. Safe in the knowledge, I could never really get offered a job in Australia because there's just not enough soccer for them or football content, right? There's the live football and that's it. They don't have shows before the game, show after the game, all this kind of stuff that I've done before. And then this company got the rights to the Champions League, Stan. It's a streaming service in Australia, uh, which Dave, Dave probably knows about it and hopefully yeah. has. And um, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he uh, definitely got it now, Spurs are in the Champions League. Uh, you know, it's like Netflix, but it's just in Australia. And I know the guy who runs the football and we got in touch. And I can't remember if I said it or he said it. Or something like, you know, what about doing like pitch side from, the, from Europe? And I said, why don't I just come and do the whole thing? Thinking he'd go, no, nah, you're all right. We've got someone. He went, oh, yeah, all right. And then it was like just around during the Euros um, in 2020. And I think the Euros just finished or, and, and me and Jay were like just going on holiday. And the Euros are quite like intense in terms of the pod. We're doing a pod every day. And then we're like, oh, we're just going to just relax and not think about work for 10 days. And basically, we're just getting an email, wake up to an email in the morning going, got an offer. And because Australia was locked down, it wasn't like something we could really spend time thinking about because there were like two flight tickets available like for the whole like to get into Australia before the first game and they said we need you here from the start of the tournament and so we were like oh so we were sort of on a beautiful Welsh beach called Rosalie Beach it's an absolutely beautiful place it was so warm Australia was locked down the UK wasn't locked my wife actually really loved London by the time we got the offer and then we were like oh well if we don't do it now we'll never do it so we said yes book the flights and then sort of two days later I had to go and chat to the Guardian and chat to TalkSport and say and they kind of known it might have happened. But I said, I'm going, could I possibly keep all my work? Thinking that they'd... Look, the Guardian had been remote for two years anyway because of the pod. We'd been doing it like you're doing it here. And, and actually the pod in many ways had improved because we could have guests from all around the world and we could have everyone in quality and all those kind of things. The radio, I thought, well, look, you know, that's mad. You can't do... You know, it's Saturday morning and Sunday morning in the UK. You're in Australia. But they said, look, we'll give it a try. And what's amazing is, I'm in this little studio in Melbourne now. I had one in Sydney. The technology is, you wouldn't know. We don't lie about where I am. I'm really honest about where I am. We just don't make a big deal of it. There's no reason to. For example, this coming Saturday, we'll be talking about the North London Derby a lot. We won't be talking about, you know, the fact that I went for a walk and it's spring and, you know, I, I ate some Vegemite or whatever. Like, that's just irrelevant. So we don't lie about it. So, like, when I went to the MCG to watch the Ashes, we talked about it. But, but I want to be honest with listeners. I think it's really important. But we just don't make a big deal of it. And the technology works. L- lots of listeners and lots of people there say you wouldn't know unless you knew that I wasn't there. So I've been, you know, a lot of this happened because of the pandemic has changed how we worked, you know. And, um, uh, you know, one of the odd benefits of a terrible time for the world was the fact that I managed to keep everything. So... My hours are slightly weird. I work more evenings than, I'm, than I used to, but it's been amazing. I've been incredibly lucky. 
I mean, also football coverage in Australia has really changed the last five to ten years because it's yeah. that it it really. I mean, obviously the four competitions that we're in, there's four different platform providers, television streaming providers for each competition, and um, you know it's really carved up. It used to be all all on uh, Fox, and then you got SBS, which is like a public broadcaster. You got a highlight show at eight o'clock. On a uh, on a Monday after on the Monday night, so back in the backpacking days where you're sharing a four bedroom or a two bedroom with nine people, you got to negotiate yeah. with everyone in the household. You can watch the highlights at eight o'clock on a Monday night, <laughs> and you know things have massively changed since then. They they have, and I think I think it's interesting from a fan's perspective. And I remember this when you know when BT came in with Sky, and you're just like, I want all the football in one place. I totally understand that from a fan's perspective. And interesting when I got the job. A few Australian viewers would be like, look, can you sort out the pricing structure? I'm like, that's sort of above my, that's sort of not what I'm there to do. But I've been really enthused by, and do you know what I think is really interesting, and you will both um, sort of resonate with you about living overseas, is that I sort of had that kind of, not necessarily with expats, but a kind of, um, a sort of snobbish view of um, football tourists, right? Football fans who don't, who aren't from, you know, support your local club. I'm a Cambridge yeah. fan primarily. Of course, I like yeah. Spurs. But actually, if you're an Australian and you love Manchester United or you love Arsenal or whoever and you get up on a, you know, when it's a three o'clock kickoff on a Saturday and you get up at one in the morning or four, three in the morning or whenever it yeah. is and you watch every game, you, you've got just as much right to call yourself a football fan. It just happens to be where you are. Yeah. And with the coverage, I've been so lucky because I've worked with Craig Foster and Mark Bosnich mm. who are both incredibly different but brilliant and we get on and like mm. the whole team is so great. So there's something great about watching football at seven in the morning. And, you, yeah. you know, we, we do the inch, we do the pre-match and we get Mark Pugach does pitch side and I get one of the mates from the pod to do be the Euro expert. Mm. And then as soon as the game kicks off, the camera crew, the sound guys, everybody make up. They all, we all come and sit on the sofa. Someone brings a big tray of, you know, hash browns and toasties and coffees. And we just yeah. watch the game. And it's, you know, I've, I've been so lucky that they... Stan want to cover football in the way that I do they don't they're not po-faced about it they're not right taking yeah. it super seriously yeah but obviously there's some serious stuff but otherwise it's just let's enjoy the game and, and I think yeah I've been super lucky that way and the time zone difference it really does set up your whole day now obviously an afternoon match in Europe or a night an, an evening kickoff then the day ends quicker but if you win and you win against a rival, the smug grin you can have all day long, and you're in yeah. touch with all the all the fans in Sydney, wherever around, giving it large is absolutely fantastic. On the other hand, you get, you know, I remember when that weekend we came third in the in that season where the two horse race we came third. Every gooner at my work was fucking putting <laughs> their head around their corner. Oh, it was a nightmare all day long. Yeah, we have similar here, but the time difference isn't too bad. It's only four hours from the UK, so yeah. um, it's it's not as as tricky here. I'm going to drop in my first Sandra anecdote now. <laughs> so, oh, I love go. how I love how it's I love how contrived it is. It's like no, this is okay, right? It's time for a Sandra anecdote. Okay, it's like doesn't don't, don't, don't have to subtly thread it into the conversation. It's, there should just be a klaxon with his face that goes Sandra anecdote. I'm listening. The words Brendan and subtle don't really go in the same sentence anyway. But. <laughs> Come on then, Brendan, <laughs> off you go. Uh, so so I'll, I'll ease you in with a nicer one because the, the one, the, the, the last one I want to tell is a bit X-rated, but 
so Sandra and I have been, we've been mates for a couple of years now. So during lockdown, uh, I was flying from Brazil to the UK to see my dad. And at the time, Brazil was red list. So you had to stay in a hotel uh, and pay for it in Heathrow, like the Renaissance or whatever. And mm-hmm. my mates used to work at the Renaissance. I'm from nearby Heathrow. It's a shit hotel. It, it, it sounded horrible. I had to pay 1600 quid for it. So we'd had Sandra on the pod previously and sort of kept in touch. And, sort of, and so I, I was flew to the UK via Lisbon and there was no restrictions in Lisbon. You, you had to self-quarantine, et cetera, but it wasn't um, rigid. So found a nice Airbnb, did a PCR after five days, sorted. And um, so I met up with Sandro and sort of arranged to meet him and he picked me up and in his, um, actually, no, <laughs> this is the X-rated one. Okay, we'll do the X-rated one. Um, <laughs> he picked me up in his car and uh, we uh, we went to to his condominium. He's building a house. He lives in Setubal, uh, just outside of Lisbon. And uh, we, had a, we had a great time and I bought some stuff for him to sign because um, some of the guys from the pod wanted to sign pictures. And I didn't have a Spurs shirt. So I bought a Brazil shirt. And so he's like, do you want to sign it uh, to Brendan from Sanjo? I was like, yeah, but can you can you write the words Kuhoshul uh, on it? And he's like, what? And he's like, yeah, my kind of nickname's Kuhoshul. Uh, and he's like, Kuhoshul in Portuguese means purple anus. And he was like, right. your nickname's purple anus. And I, and I, <laughs> so I sort of explained to him that, that like seven, eight years prior, my dad had come to Brazil and we were having drinks with my Brazilian friends. It was a bit of a language, but I'm sure you have the same in, in Australia. <laughs> so the, the, course, conversation, yeah. <laughs> the conversation just wasn't flake. So we were drinking and like saying cheers in different languages. So he's saying, oh, in, in Portuguese, it's saúde. In England, it's cheers. And my dad, oh, in Ireland, it's sloncha. And I have a friend called Fuka who's Japanese-Brazilian. He said, oh, in Japan, it's kuhoshu which it isn't. It's, it's purple anus. So my dad's like, kuhoshu. So every time we, we have a drink, we always uh, say kuhoshu instead of cheers. So he understood. He got the got the story. So he signed it. Here's the here's the signed shirt, by the way. So um, very good. That's uh, great. Lovely. And um, I took it back. Got it back to Brazil, and so I told the missus, and said, oh, "I can't wait to put it in a frame and hang it." And she's like, but "You mad?" I was like, "Why not?" Like, I got him to sign. He's like. You can't hang that up. We rent the house out. We can't, we can't. But I was like, he played for Brazil 17 times. He's just like, look, if you get a purple anus from Neymar or Pele, we'll talk. I was like, when's that <laughs> ever going to happen? <laughs> so, <laughs> so what are the odds? Anyway, sorry yeah. about that. Had to drop that one in. No, I'm pleased. I'm glad. I feel, I feel like I've learned something about, I've learned specifically about Sandro writing the words purple anus, which I wasn't necessarily expecting. There we go. And, and it was a language lesson as well at, at seven in the, in yeah, the morning. Yeah, Perfect. Uh, so it's the international break. Uh, Max, have you been watching much of the games? Did you, did you watch yeah, the England games? Yeah, So the pods are all on, so we're covering all the England stuff. And um, I've been a big sort of Southgate, uh, I mean, supporter slash apologist. Like, you know, he is our second most successful manager ever. And I think he deserves the right to, you know, take the team to the World Cup. Um, clearly, we're not playing brilliantly. The Germany game was fun. The other game, the Italy game was really boring. Um, I think... I think there was a hubris around England fans. So I get very defensive because a lot of England fans just presume England should win the World Cup. And you're like, on what basis? On what evidence do you have? We've done it once. We, you know, like there are other countries in the world who also like football, right? Like winning a tournament is hard. But that said, England have been a bit shit recently. 
will we win the World Cup? Probably not. Could we? Maybe. It's unlikely, but um, I go in with optimism. It's obviously caveated by the fact that the World Cup shouldn't be in Qatar. We're obviously going to cover it a lot on the pod about the human rights abuses and the you know the treatment of LGBTQ plus um, community in Qatar. You know, not not just whether it's safe for gay fans to go over there, but just the the people who actually live there. Yeah. Um, and obviously, the infrastructure is completely mad for anybody who wants to go. You know, the like getting a beer is hard. Obviously, you know, you have to be culturally sensitive if, if booze is illegal in a country then booze is illegal fine but you can get it but it's 15 quid a pint and it can only be Budweiser and you're like okay that's probably not for me and being that the broadcasters have put like a premium on the World Cup rights so actually if you're in Qatar you might not be able to see the other games because your hotel might not have paid to get the game so you watch the England go to the England game you might not be able to watch the other ones so the whole thing is a disaster I'm, I'm not a huge fan of anything much that FIFA has done and you know having said that we'll work on it we're going to try and get the balance right on the pod of talking about those things I think with the Russia World Cup we and a lot of other people were guilty of going bad stuff happens in Russia we've said that now we can just enjoy the football without thinking about it it's even more pertinent here because you know people have died building those stadiums right so you're watching Mm. football matches in places where the working conditions have been terrible and people have lost their lives and you have to acknowledge that. And trying to get that balance between doing that but also watching the football because people will are engaged by the World Cup. Of course they are. It's still the World Cup. And I think, sort of paraphrasing Barney Ronnie here, if you, you know, you can still enjoy the football because if you, if you stop doing that, then basically you're sort of let, you know, you're letting them win, right? You know, you, you still own football. Football isn't owned by these people. Fans own football. But England probably won't win the World Cup is the short answer to, to that question. <clears throat> just, uh, I know you've just woken up there, but uh, the Brazil game against Tunisia, that was fun. First half was oh, right. absolutely bonkers. Was uh, It finished 5-1 in the end, but the first half was 4-1 shit housery everywhere it was glorious and uh <laughs> mainly for the tunisians they just love to wind neymar up and neymar's used to it now so he was he wasn't rising to it as much and uh 4-1 richarlison scored again richarlison before i go on to davo do you love richarlison because I, I bloody love richarlison yeah yeah and and he adds something i you know i think it's really interesting having three having four really good forward players and mm. you know stressing about who you pick right i think that's a really positive thing um and I think he does add something. I think it's really hard to know who I would probably have him on the bench at the moment. And I think that might be really harsh, especially the way Sonny, you know, scored that hat trick. Because um, Kane is pretty much undroppable. Although I wouldn't mind him being taken off occasionally, you know. Mm. And, and I think mm. Kulisewski is an incredibly skillful player. Um, but, you know, what Richarlison adds and like he's, his press is amazing, right? Defensively, he's ridiculous, which sounds maybe counterintuitive but football fans watch it in a slightly different way now don't they and like he had so much energy and that competition as well clearly is important right it clearly matters that you know those three players don't think they're automatically going to start and we've got so many games as well so uh, he's been brilliant and you know he's he is a player who you love at your team and hate if he doesn't play for you right Arsenal fans will hate him right absolutely hate him right and actually it's almost tempting to play him for that reason on Saturday, isn't it? I don't know. I'll, I'll leave it up to Antonio Conte. Yeah. Neva, did you watch uh, any of the... Did you see Richarlison's goals during the international break? No, I didn't. I, I mean, I didn't catch the UC game. I caught most of the Germany game. Um, and I think that, you know, 
as Max was saying, Southgate's our second most successive, successful manager of all time. And I think what I really like what he's done is he's changed the whole culture of that team. Because, you know, frankly, after the, the South Africa World Cup, you know, when Terry did that press conference saying, oh, I was born to do this, Capello, all of that was a disaster. And Southgate's worked really, really hard on kind of bridging the team the team and the, and the English public. And he's done a great job about that. Um, and I, I think that you, you have, you know, you have to look at what he took over. He took over Sam Allardyce's one game reign. And he's t- he took us to a World Cup semi-final and a Euros final. I just kind of suspect that his big game management is a bit like Pochettino's. I think he fails to adapt to situations in big games uh, and, and does his tactics accordingly. Um, so I think, you know, we're not going to win the World Cup. I never thought we would win the World Cup. Um, but I think that it, it's interesting that, uh, you know, people are calling for his head now and things like that. They've got very short memories. But I think once the Qatar World Cup's done, he will be he'll be gone. I think he'll he'll resign. But I mean, just back to Brazil for a minute. And what's the feeling in Brazil about the World Cup, Brendan? In regards to do they think that they're going to win it? And and what's the feeling in Brazil about ha- having the World Cup hosted in Qatar as well? Um, so yeah, I think there is a lot of optimism here in terms of Brazil's chances. The, the game yeah. today was superb. Um, the the assist from Richarlison for Rafinha's second. Uh, was beautiful. The goals were really good. It was just they 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 they're so technically gifted and they have a good real togetherness. And I, I spoke about this on the YouTube yesterday that a lot of it is about creating that that unity and tactics mm. and everything that can come into it. But when it comes, that's why I always wanted Harry Redknapp to manage England because he'd be that he'd just get everyone going in the right direction. And look at the managers that have won it. We so Deschamps, um, who's the ball sniffer guy, the German guy. Um, they, 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 Joachim Lowe, thank you. They're old school managers, so they're, they're not like your Jurgen Klopp's and stuff. So I, I don't think that the, the tactical side is, is is as important as that togetherness. Mm. And I think Southgate has given that. There's a lot to that. Um, but back to Brazil, in terms of um, the human rights uh, element to to, to the, the games going ahead, in Brazil, they there was a lot of controversy with the Brazilian World Cup for a start and certainly with the the corruption and all the stadiums that are now white elephants um, just lining the, the pockets of of engineering and construction firms that, and politicians obviously so um, there was huge huge outcry then um, to this one they don't really mention it as much I, 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 not that I've seen as much of it in terms of uh, Qatar's sort of suitability to suit to to play to host the next World Cup, and that's my my fear as well, Max. Like you were saying, is that perhaps like, like we did with Russia, that we were like once the football got going, we did kind of forget about that the other stuff. We're like, oh, the football's on, and the football was really good in Russia, so it just kind of kind of quietened those voices. Do, do you think that will repeat itself? Yeah, I think it will. Um, I think you know it's it's interesting. A lot of pe- when you talk about that and you talk about human rights, and people say, "Why don't you boycott?" An interesting amnesty have said you shouldn't boycott. It's too late now to do that. What you need to do is know that a lot of people covering the World Cup won't talk about it in the UK, in Australia, wherever in Brazil. So if you have a platform and a profile and an opportunity to do that, you should shine a light on these things. Now, obviously, like the news cycle moves quickly, doesn't it? Right, and so in six months' time. I am not going to be talking about human rights in Qatar. That's not because I don't care. It's just because I'm talking about other things. I'm talking about the end of the Premier League season. I'm talking about other things that are happening. So mm. you have a responsibility to, to, um, to talk about it when you have the chance to do it. In the, in the same way that 
you know, when Ukraine played Scotland in that playoff, Ukraine, if you think about that war, was absolutely top of the news agenda for a long time, right? It really was. And I'm as guilty as everyone. I was listening to like the BBC Ukraine cast for about, you know, three, four weeks. And then it doesn't make you a bad person that other life takes over and your life takes over and the news changes and then you're talking about the British government or whatever, whatever. So that when Ukraine played Scotland again, it, it brought those stories back again to like how important football meant was to the people in Ukraine and et cetera, et cetera. And it almost is a shame that Ukraine didn't qualify for the World Cup because that would have, it sounds so ridiculous, but it would, it would have, every time they played a match, people would have talked about it, people would have talked about what's happening. All yeah. you can do, I think, is talk about these issues, try and do it in a balanced way, try and get people's voices on that wouldn't necessarily be heard and also know what your limitations are, right? You know, as a football broadcaster, I'm a football broadcaster. That obviously covers all parts of life now, but you also have to do what people, you know, people want also escapism, which is what football is, which is why it makes things like Newcastle's ownership very difficult for fans because, you know, I, I'm, I'm far enough away from Cambridge United now. If, they, if somebody, if a rogue state, if that's the right phrase, bought Cambridge, I could walk away. I would hate to do it. Or if they bought Spurs, I would be like, okay, I'm done. Wash my hands with it. But that's much harder if you go week in, week out. Or if you mm. are like, you know, or, or it's part of your ritual and your routine. Mm. But all these things, you know, it's very complex because what people want who work hard every week and go to football is that to be the place where they don't have to worry about these things. But actually mm. all parts of human life, you know, fall into I wrote a piece without getting too bleak about domestic violence and sexual violence. It's a huge problem with that within football. You can't yeah. really talk about it for so many legal reasons. Yeah. Um, and, but that means no one talks about it. And it's a real, yeah. it's a thing that people should address because, you know, it's really grim. But like, mm. at the same time, you want to, you just want two hours a week where you don't have to think about all these sort of tough things because existences can be quite bleak I guess I mean I'm quite an optimist I don't mean to bring the tone up you know the the mood down but I, I feel that with Qatar as well we have a responsibility to cover it properly and hopefully we will this podcast is sponsored by Ramp are you the decision maker in your company consider this for the first time in decades there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform meet Ramp the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Yeah, and, and um, David Beckham being the ambassador just was, it just left a really sour taste. Totally, I mean, he didn't, totally. He didn't need the money. He doesn't need the money. 150 million. Who cares? Do you know what I mean? Like, it, yeah, but he queued up at 2 a.m. And he made sure everyone knew about it, didn't he? So, you know, he's, you know, he wants that knighthood badly. And, you know, there were those leaked emails about how badly he wants that, that knighthood, you know? I, I really, yeah, I was really disappointed that he took that money. And Eric Cantona's done a piece with Adam Craft in The Athletic, an interview, and Cantona calls him out. And, you know, I don't know how many people close to him call him out, but, like, it's different to a player going because, you know, you are playing rather than just taking the money. And a bit like the Live Golf Tour, right? 
I judge somebody on the breadline who takes money from a, a you know a tricky regime much in a much different way to somebody who is a multimillionaire getting mm. even more multi-millions of pounds right there's a limit to how much you need so yeah I, mm. well done to Cantona for calling Beckham out frankly I didn't know that fair play to Cantona um so on to the well on to in terms of the um the favorites who, who do you reckon will win it then Max no idea I mean probably <laughs> Brazil or just someone that isn't England but I just I don't know I know I and I and I haven't been watching enough of every country to know who's in the best form a lot of the big European sides aren't, but that doesn't really mean anything. Like, it doesn't really mean anything, does it? You know, you need a lucky draw, you need to be lucky, and you need to, you know. Uh, there's obviously more to it than that because England have, just don't ever win it, but uh, I, I've no idea. David? Well, you've got to probably look at the French, don't you? It's an unimaginative choice, but, um, you know, I think that they've, they've still got good players um, and, you know, it's, it's going to be an interesting one because obviously Italy's not there. Uh, Germany are not looking that great, um, but you know maybe the Danish. I mean, you know the the, the Belgians. Are, you know that generation's really getting on. Everyone talks about it's their last chance at each tournament, um, so that there's them as well. But um, maybe we'll see a left centre team win it. Who knows? It's a strange one because it's it's you know going back to the, the Qatar thing, and, and maybe there was less focus on it on on Russia than in Qatar. But the, the difference with Qatar is that. It's not known as a footballing nation, which True. Russia clearly is. Um, we didn't have to break up the season into two bits. Um, and, you know, I was just listening to the guys on uh, on YouTube last night, watching them on YouTube, and I think Seb made a very good point, is that there's, there's, none of, there's been none of those pre-tournament friendlies where you play some, a team with the same kind of style of the teams you're playing. You, got, you, you had this Euro Nations thing. And then you're straight into it. I think that it, the season finishes and eight days later, the first game starts. Mm. So I, I think it, it could throw up a very, it could throw up a surprise nation who might win it in that context. Yeah. I, I, I still think Brazil is going to win it, but I'm screwed though, because the only Brazil shot I have is this one. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't, I, <laughs> I you'll can't be wait, can't wait that, You'll be parading the purple anus Brazil t shirt everywhere you go if they win it. Fantastic. <laughs> I can wear it in the house. That's it. I can't wear that out. All right. Anyway, look. Um, so let's move on to Tottenham. We are, we are running out of time here. So, Max, last time that you were on uh, was during lockdown, I believe, when Jose right. was was manager. We've we've kicked on a lot since then. <laughs> a lot's happened. Um, are, you, are you happy with where Spurs are at the moment, just in in general, as yeah. opposed to sort of coming? Yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. Um, you know they're doing really well. They win on. Saturday, top go top of the league, right? I still don't know how well we're playing. You know, I I, I still I still I, I think you know Conte is quite a defensive man. You know, there are quite a lot of similarities between Conte and, and Mourinho, apart from he doesn't throw his players under the bus, and we are winning games. And we look and we've invested, right? Like we've bought player. The squad is you know like the, the, the signings have been good, and that has been a real surprise. I'm sure you've talked about it before about. You know, Daniel Levy saying, OK, we will spend that much money on a potentially substitute striker. We'll bring in, you know, cover. There is depth. You know, there's more than one player for every position. That's great. I, the thing I'm, I love the most is that I thought Ben Davis was cooked two, three years ago. Absolutely yeah. cooked. Mm. All that he did was stand there with a throw in and just looking annoyed at everyone because no one was in space for him to throw to him, just mm. looking annoyed. And he's been absolutely brilliant 
on the, the left side of that three. Like really, like I, I, I'm I'm so impressed with him. I think Dyer's been superb. Um, I I really like Kulisevsky. I, I I wonder about our midfield. I think Bentancur looks like a wonderful footballer, but I, I still worry that we don't have that player that can pick a pass. And so mm-hmm. I actually think games like Arsenal, where teams will come onto you, will actually suit Tottenham much more than you know teams that are defensive. And I think look, I think they were quite lucky in a few of their games. I think Wolves were better than Tottenham for a long time part of that game Chelsea obviously battered us if we're honest um, so like I'm I'm unconvinced yet I guess I could probably be unconvinced for the whole season and Tottenham could actually be really successful because I think what's interesting is Tottenham can win unconvincingly against Fulham but they can also win unconvincingly against Manchester City right and they've done that mm-hmm. quite a few times because they have that ability um, so I think I'm sort of cautiously optimistic I find some it's sort of like some of the football is quite boring but maybe like my dad's what 83 now and I'm sort of saying to him maybe it's worth having like a couple of years of boring successful football and then go back to someone else and it's really fun as you've had for your entire life you know and we win a trophy because it would be nice to it would just be nice to see Harry Kane not have to trudge around a pitch applauding with a loser's medal you know again (laughs) sad yeah again this thing though we are as you said boring but also we've scored the second most goals after man city so yeah. it's it's bizarre it's just a weird a weird one davo uh we'll, we'll, we'll look at arsenal now and, and sort of bring it closer to to the current time how are you feeling ahead of arsenal I, i'm not optimistic i'll be honest i normally am and we lose and now i'm not so i'm hoping that we win on that logic but where, where are you look you know um we've gone into these north london derbies before at their place where they have been playing appallingly and you know you've got the the gooners uh air squadron with your with your wenger in wenger out banners all over the place in the skyline um and i think that you know but they are in good form now now everyone has said they've started well but they've had easy opposition but they've still bettered some of their results from last season so they've gone to palace away and they've won they went to Brentford away and they've won, which is better results than they got last season. Um, you know, they've they've looked to fix some of their issues in the transfer market. You know, I still don't rate Arteta as a manager. We all have a good laugh about him on the cheese room for the various things that he does. And, and I was delighted he got a contract extension before the 3-0 uh, at the end of last season. But if anyone thinks that it's going to be straightforward because we did them last year and we took fourth, that's been and gone. Um, so... You know, I would be happy if we went there and got a draw. We've got an appalling record there. We've won twice away in the Premier League at uh, Arsenal and once only at the Emirates. Um, So, you know, all I want to do is make sure that we turn up because we didn't turn up against Chelsea. We really got away with one against Chelsea. So I really want us to turn up, give them a game. And if we come away with a draw, I'll be happy. I think Arteta is a good manager and I didn't think he was. And I think they play really lovely football. And I think they've mm. got a real, uh, they've got, it, it, the balance of that side looks great. A bit like Ben Davis, right? Granite Xhaka, who I thought was cooked, is actually playing really well. Yeah. Odegaard is a wonderful footballer. I don't know who's fit and suspended and all that, but Jesus has been absolutely brilliant for them as, as a Zinchenko. Um, I think it's really hard to call. It's one of those games where we'll sit deep, I imagine, and we could win 4-0 on the counter. They could win 4-0 or it'd probably be a one-all draw. Yeah, God, that's it. I mean, <laughs> I I predicted to, to all draw uh, with this one, and uh, in terms of of the personnel, Max, 
uh, we finished the Leicester game with five in midfield, which we've been screaming out for a lot, that, that we do kind of see possession in midfield to, 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 to play those wing-backs. But he thickened it up. He did get Bissouma in there, who played quite well against... I mean, Leicester were cooked already, but do you think that that's a, somewhere where he may go, or that he'll be rigid with his, uh, oh, with his three, three... I mean, two, he is two. rigid. He is rigid. He's not changing that, I don't think, for anything. I think you could probably write the starting lineup now pretty much. Yeah. Certainly, Hoiberg and Benson Core, and I think... Hoiberg's a really interesting case, isn't it? Wait, I think he probably is quite good, but it sort of feel like he isn't in a funny kind of way, right? But actually, he's got a real sort of engine of that team. I, um, um, I think it's I think it's really fascinating how like how that that matchup is fascinating. I think they're both you know they're both good in very different ways, um, and but I don't I don't see Conte changing at all. I think he'll try and stifle the game for as long as he can, and then you know couple of quick breaks and, and see what we can do that would be and that's probably the right thing to do against Arsenal right is to let them come on to you they're better on the ball than we are right like you know like 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 moving the ball forwards and playing forward passes is not something that we do a, a whole lot which is counterintuitive for a team that scores lots of goals <laughs> yeah. mm. but just on uh on the current mood and, and Dave oh the um Sonny's back. He's back scoring. He's back smiling. I was at the Leicester game and I'm going to lead into my next anecdote quickly. But but just before I do, um, how good is it that Sonny's backfiring? Because it, it just makes a huge difference to, to how we look up front. Well, when you say you're, lean, you're leaning into your next anecdote, I'm presuming you mean your next Sandro anecdote, not just a general anecdote, just to be yeah. clear. Uh, look, you know, I thought that I was in Sydney when uh, I watched the, the Leicester game. I watched it blind at like five in the morning or whatever. And when he scored, you know, I felt a little bit emotional as well because you, you could tell the relief in the stadium. And and when he scored, it wasn't like uh, old Chrissy Armstrong when he got the hump with the crowd and refused to celebrate with them anymore after he, I think he had a bit of a falling out. This was it meant the world to him, and then and the second and the third, and and it's great to see. But you know, he's a look. I've got a soft spot for him. I took my kids to their first game went over from Sydney to to the old White Hot Lane, and he scored his first goal against Palace. It was great. But, you know, against Sporting Lisbon, he's, that was an appalling performance he put in. He was terrible. And he's put, you know, I thought he played first, well first half West Ham. He looked lively against Fulham. So, but for him to get the goals in was great. It, you know, I temper it with, it, it's against the worst defence in the league. But it's great to see him get a hatchet. I really want him to follow it up with a decent performance against the Gooners. I'm not looking for a hatchet or anything like that. But I want him to give the Gooners some problems in that game and, and to see him kind of produce it now. Now he's got that off his back, I think, psychologically, and we all hope that he's going to be on fire and, and go on one of his runs. See, you mentioned Sporting Lisbon there as well, which... Um, Here we go. Again. <laughs> I've, got to start, I've got to start solo parenting in two minutes, right? So okay, okay. I really okay. want this. To, I really want a big payoff. On this Sandro <laughs> anecdote, right? So, uh, so we were setting up to go to the Leicester game together, Sandro and I. And, um, whilst we were talking, he said, "Oh, Brent, because he lives in Lisbon." So, "Oh, Brent, we're playing Sporting Lisbon next week. Do you want me to talk to Richarlison to try and get us some tickets?" He's mates with Richarlison through Aurelio Gomez, and um, I mean, who isn't friends with someone through Aurelio Gomez? That's an important <laughs> point to make. <laughs> uh, so, so, do you want me to get some tickets? So I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." I said, "Oh, look, I don't." It's fine if you don't, but I've never been to a Champions League game, never been to an away game. So he's like, leave it with me, I'll sort it out. So then the next day, he's like, Bren, I spoke to Lucas. I, I just think Lucas has better admin skills than, than Richarlison. I spoke to Lucas, got the tickets, it's on. So 
to book tickets, went to, to, to Lisbon, uh, met up with some guys from the podcast, and um, we, um, we, we got, met outside the, the, the ground, got the tickets and went in, and we were sitting in with the Sporting Lisbon fans, but in front of the Tottenham development squad. So he was posting a lot on um, social media and the development squad came along, as did Chris Powell. And I was like, I saw Chris, I went up to him. I think my words were, wow, Chris Powell. Because he's, he's a Premier League legend. Like, uh, and Sandro is too. But, but I was just in awe of, uh, of, of being in the presence of, of Chris Powell. And, uh, and yeah. I've got so, to say, sorry, I've got to stop you there. I mean, like, Chris Powell's a, a wonderful man and a good bloke. But like, if you're in awe of Chris Powell, there must be a lot of people you're in awe of. Yeah, probably. I don't meet many footballers. I don't think this is why it makes such a big deal of my, my friendship with Sandra. I don't meet many footballers. No. <laughs> so, um, so that was the, the Sporting Lisbon game. And we lost and it was, it was terrible. I didn't care. I just had the most amazing time with um, watching the game with Sandra. We had beers outside afterwards and uh, he didn't make it to the Leicester game. His fight was cancelled and it didn't happen. The Leicester, he was supposed to come to Leicester. It didn't happen, which I was devastated about. But we will always have Lisbon. So now, now on my, you send me a little run sheet and it has three Sandra anecdotes. I don't, all I'm saying is it's good that you've got one in the bank to tease forward to the next pod is, is how I feel about that. Yeah, I'm out actually as well, but I can, I can think of another one, but I am out. <laughs> uh, before we wrap up, let's get predictions. Um, Max, what do you think the score will be against the Gooners? Ah, oh, um, 3-0 Tottenham. Davo, how are you feeling? Uh, sorry, one all. <laughs> one, one I went, I went to all, um, so I'm going to stick with that. I, I, we, we never win there. It's, um, it's always going to be that way. And um, so, just before we wrap up, we do need to mention our friends at FootballPrizes.co.uk. Uh, this week's prize is a Ledley King signed and framed shirt. Uh, the tickets are on sale now, and with the promo code Cheese Ten, that's the word Cheese and Ten, you get a ten percent discount. On your tickets and good luck with that. Good luck with that. Yeah, there is <laughs> Ian. Ian. Bless him. I can hear him going off. Max, thank you so much for joining. We can't wait to have you back on again. My pleasure. Davo, thanks for joining, mate. Absolute pleasure. Cool cheese do, do watch out for the YouTube, which will be out uh, on Friday from uh, Caller and the Gang. And also, there, there will be a review of the Arsenal game from Franco and likely myself over the weekend so do listen up for that and the third Sandro anecdote of course and the third, yeah, yeah I couldn't think of the third one there, yeah. there's got to be one yeah, we, we, had a, we had a risotto off no no no, 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 no I don't want to hear it I don't want to hear it save it for the next one that's the key save it <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. and as ever come on you Spurs come on you Spurs Sports Social Podcast Network